we want to continue growing as you know, our customers grow that pretty much reflects in how we arrive at the percentage the average fee but what is also reflects is that the reverse is also true we learn less when the customer is not growing or his business is not doing as well as he anticipated it would so the fundamental premise to our relationship with our customers is uh, being a partner of choice we believe that this kind of a value based pricing model pretty much supports that philosophy Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Backbone, a podcast exploring the journey of finance and operations within tech companies. I'm your host, Shabam Data, at Shabam on Twitter. If this is your first episode, welcome, and thanks for checking it out. For those returning listeners, I'm so glad you're here. I hope that you've subscribed, rated, and reviewed the show on whichever platform you're hearing this now. It would mean so much to me and help spread the stories of these amazing finance leaders we feature on The Backbone. Joining me on this episode of The Backbone is Karthik Srinivasan, Director of Finance at Chargebee, a subscription management and billing platform that helps SaaS businesses across the globe automate recurring billing, accounting, tax management, revenue recognition, and reconciliation. At Chargebee, Karthik is responsible for managing the company's financial operations, FP&A, tax management, and legal. Prior to Chargebee, he served as the head of finance at Olam Information Services, managing the finance of their global IT function from scratch. Having started off his career at Tata Consulting Services and a brief stint in Singapore managing the subsidiary finance for the APAC region, he has played a pivotal role in cost consulting as part of the CFO's office and also laying the foundation for cross-border finance within a fintech company. He holds a chartered accountant degree from the Institute of Chartered Accountants of India. And so without further ado, here's Karthik Srinivasan, Director of Finance at Chargebee. Hey Karthik, thanks for joining me on The Backbone. We've got lots to get through, so let's uh, dive right in, starting with your career journey. Uh, you started your career with uh, Tata Consulting services after getting your CA in India. So talk to me about your journey so far and how you ended up as the director of finance at Chargebee. Uh, thanks, Shabam, um, for this opportunity to kind of talk through about some of these things. Uh, in fact, it is um, quite interesting if I look back uh, in terms of how this career is shaped out, right? To be quite honest, uh, I didn't plan it this way, uh, but I guess the way it has evolved has been great. My career started with uh, corporate finance within TCS, Tata Consultancy Services in Mumbai, India, where I was handling financial consolidation for a couple of subsidiaries uh, at that point in time. It then paved the way for a subsidiary finance role in Singapore, yeah, which is again within TCS, which is more holistic. Um, that then took me on to a consulting role within TCS. So by the time I was out of TCS, uh, I had the opportunity to have seen most of the tech finance related aspects um, which was actually awesome for a CF fresher like me. I then moved on to a, a business unit finance role uh, within a company called FSS, Financial Software and Systems Private Limited. It was in the fintech space, right? And that role uh, was pretty comprehensive. It covered international finance, BU finance, and a lot of those aspects relating to, you know, getting the FP&A function covered up pretty well, right? This is when I kind of um, slowly but surely started settling down in Chennai. Um, so I was with FSS for close to four years. Also, this is when I probably took a pause and realized uh, that I should look out for a head finance kind of a role because I had until then, without you know deliberately planning, uh, been exposed to most elements of a finance role, right? Uh, so that prompted me to move on to a company called Olam, uh, which was an agri-based uh, commodity company, and uh, I headed their finance function in the IT ITS division. 
right? Uh, so all through it's been IT for me and, um, um, you know, pretty much uh, my role has evolved in understanding the tech side of things uh, from a finance perspective. So while I was at Olam, uh, that's when I was looking out for what was happening in the startup world, right? And was keen to be part of the dynamic ecosystem uh, which the startup world had to offer. And that's how I ended up with Chargebee. So tell me a bit more about Chargebee. What does the company do and what is it all about? So in a nutshell, Chargebee specializes in subscription management, right? And recurring billing. Um, uh, we provide a recurring billing engine uh, on top of uh, some of the prominent pay- payment gateways like Stripe, uh, Braintree, uh, and PayPal, right? Um, you know, having customers spread over close to about 53 countries, right? The platform actually serves as a single source of truth to the accounting systems with regard to receivables and the revenue side of things. So Chargebee has been, um, was incorporated uh, in 2010, right? So it's it's kind of took off uh, from 2014, 2015, right? Uh, and on the investment side, we've had Axel, Tiger, Instite, and Stebio who kind of uh, worked with us in taking us to where we are today. Just to elaborate on the subscription management side of things, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of uh, business models today that evolve around subscription. So when you talk about subscription management, can you help me better understand what that entails? And and do you service mostly other software companies helping them manage their billing and uh, subscription management? Or uh, what what kinds of companies are customers of Chargebee? Predominantly SaaS companies, software as a service companies to whom we service, uh, because uh, for SaaS companies, the real challenge is in terms of how do they, you know, manage this entire uh, uh, ecosystem of subscriptions and also ensure that, you know, they have a robust engine to kind of build their customers on time, right, and also collect payments on time. So that's the space that we operate in, right, uh, which which uh, kind of helps us uh, get into the details of understanding their, uh, the billing side of things uh, better. And as I was looking into Chargebee, you know, one of the things that stood out to me is uh, I noticed the company's global reach. So you mentioned the 53 countries that, that you operate, um, you know, have customers in. Not only do you have offices, so Chargebee has offices in California and in India, but even your pricing page offers customers to pay for Chargebee in various currencies, including US dollar, Canadian dollar, Australian dollar, British pounds, and euros. So I would say this is kind of uncommon or unconventional. You know, you allow your customers to not only pay in multiple currencies of their choice, but also uh, pay annual and monthly, which is more common. Was this a concerted effort to offer pricing in multiple currencies? And what are the benefits and challenges that this poses in your shoes as the finance leader? So uh, as you rightly said, we, we have a customer base, which is pretty much spread across the globe, right? And since our reach is global, uh, we also wanted to reflect this as part of a pricing, right? And hence, we took this approach. Uh, in fact, we managed to do this change uh, only last year as we saw a lot of uh, increase in demand for uh, multi-currency pricing. So that's how this, this entire currency change thing started off, right? In terms of benefits, right? The benefits are more to do with the fact that the customer tends to get a local flavor of the product, right? And that in turn contributes to the top line, right? In terms of increasing um, the revenue contribution, from you know currencies across uh, different denominations, right? And if you look at it in terms of how we have chosen these currencies, we have chosen currencies at this point in time those which are most stable, right, and globally tradable, as that keep our fluctuations uh, fairly within limits, right? 
so that's on the benefit side of it. In terms of challenges, right? I think the accounting and billing framework um, that a company needs to have, right, to kind of ensure that this multi-currency aspect of it is addressed seamlessly has got to be robust because the accounting and billing framework needs to accommodate for a currency change, right? While the accounting changes are well known in terms of, um, you know, how fluctuations are accounted uh, in terms of forex gain or loss, from a billing perspective, it is important that the reporting metrics, right, uh, in terms of upgrades, downgrades, or your new ARR gets reflected appropriately. So, so that's on the uh, aspect related to the challenges. So the challenges uh, uh, are equally, you know, higher on the billing side as much as it is on the accounting side. Even as you were talking about that, I can only imagine, you know, when you're looking at cohorts and you're looking at revenue expansion, um, you have to be able to delineate the noise that might happen through uh, currency fluctuation. You have to remove any kind of currency fluctuation when you take into account revenue expansion or you're looking at cohort analyses. Is that correct? Like, how, how are you thinking about that? Absolutely. I think that's something that's definitely challenging. But thankfully, today, if you look at it in terms of how we've gone about this, their exposure to, uh, you know, customers denominated in different currencies is and since we started only last year, has not been very significant, but we expect it to be significant. But one aspect that helps us is because our reporting currency is in US dollars, right? So any of the analysis that we do is all pretty much converted to US dollars at the prevailing rates. And that's how we read cohorts and many of the other analysis that flows through it. Being denominated in US dollars and also having offices in India, obviously, your your uh, a bulk of your expenses are also in Indian rupees. And so how does this kind of oppose any challenge to forecasting or just in general having multiple currencies in which that you accept revenue? How does this impact forecasting for you as a finance leader? So if you look at it, um, all of our billings are from the US entity, from the parent entity, which means all of it is pretty much denominated in dollar terms, right? So irrespective of which currency we deal with, we will convert it into US dollars, right? From an India standpoint, as you rightly indicated, um, we have all of our expenses and because a significant portion of our operations today is from India, all of the India expenses are converted to US dollars at the prevailing rate. Right? And for budgeting purposes, what we do is we use a forecasted exchange rate right? um, based on historical trends and then come up with US dollar denominated budgets, right? which is then consolidated with our, you know, the spend that we have from a US perspective. And, and that's how we kind of come up with a robust forecast. We obviously do a lot of reforecasting also in terms of trying to understand, you know, um, how some of these currency changes uh, will impact our spend patterns. So that's also something that we accommodate. Uh, but yeah, in terms of how we address it, that's how we address it. And last question here, kind of on your uh, on the global um, aspect of your pricing structure. Um, are there any transfer pricing or tax implications that you have to consider when you offer pricing in so many currencies and have customers in 53 different countries? Specific from a currency perspective, no. Um, so except for the fact that we'll have to use the exchange rate to kind of reflect the conversion. Uh, because as I told you, we kind of pretty much denominate everything in US dollar terms. So then we do a cost plus between our India and US entities. Um, yeah, so, so from a currency perspective, this isn't really much impact uh, as long as we've kind of taken the correct uh, conversion rate in arriving at the US dollar number.
sticking with the 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 pricing structure um i noticed that you charge both a subscription fee as well as an overage fee and so each plan has an annual revenue limit and then once the customer passes that revenue limit they are charged a percentage of the overage managed by uh charge b and so is this a structure so that charge b can participate in the upside potential of its customers you're right the the idea uh, behind this is um, the fact that you know we want to continue growing as you know our customers grow right and that pretty much reflects in how we kind of uh, arrive at the percentage the overage fee but what this also reflects is that the reverse is also true we learn less when the customer is not growing or his business is not doing as well as he anticipated it would right so the fundamental premise to our relationship with our customers is uh, being a partner of choice right and we believe that this kind of a value based pricing model pretty much supports that philosophy in these kind of value based pricing models what i've typically seen is that as customers become more successful i.e. have larger revenues uh, annual revenues the take rate or the overage fee in your case would tend to go down as a percentage but what i noticed is charge bees actually goes up so the more successful you are as a customer charge bee extracts more value to itself is that the right understanding and 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 what's the thinking behind that i think what you're saying is right uh, but what's also interesting to consider is the fact that while on one hand we have a percentage of overage fee linked to the processing volume of our customers right we also have a host of features available across plans right so which means as customers move from a lower plan to a higher plan right the product features that they have access to uh, also reflects as part of that movement for example just give you an instance an integration with say a netsuite or an intact accounting software right is available as part of what we call as a scale plan right but is not part of the rice plan right where the integration is more with quickbooks and zero right so the increase in overage fee uh, reflects this part also in terms of the value that we bring in terms of the additional features so and that's precisely the reason why you see that um, you know the the increase in overage as you move into higher pricing plans right but you also increase the base subscription fee as well right between the two tiers that is right you are right so that also right. reflects in terms of the value that we bring in not only in terms of uh, the kind of features that we provide but also in terms of the kind of support that we provide and and so last question here before we move into our quick fire round and that is in your opinion what is the importance of the finance function at a company like chart So that's an interesting question broadly um it's it's two faced right and that kind of makes it really interesting right um in fact i should thank uh, both krishnan rajaraman ceo and ceo for opening up this role to include an element of contribution to the product side as well right um so since as you know we are a fintech company right the role of finance extends to influencing the product roadmap as well right and that kind of makes it much more holistic In fact, interestingly, uh, we use the charge B solution for our own internal finance needs as well, and our receivables are completely automated. That's cool. Yeah, so that kind of makes our contribution as finance to the product more valuable. Uh, the finance team within Charge B, in fact, are its first customers, and I think we we pretty much reap the benefits of that automation. So that's one end of it. The on the other hand, right, if you look at the core finance function in a company like Charge B, that's exciting because uh, it evolves as the company evolves. right and i think at each stage if you look at it in terms of how we progressed 
we have different problems to solve i think when we started off um, it was more to do with kind of keeping the house in order um, you know ensuring that the bookkeeping part of it is addressed there's a controllership element that is built but now it's moved into other aspects in relation to how we can strengthen our fp and a function right look at potential um, you know uh, opportunities for mergers and acquisitions and things like that right in fact as we are growing there is an increasing alignment that we are seeing uh, across functions as well in fact across revenue teams because a lot of input uh, is needed by those teams especially on the spend side of it um, to kind of uh, supplement their analysis as well so i think it's a pretty robust coverage and uh, the two faced aspect of it as it mentioned makes it really interesting it makes sense given the the product that chargebee is um having the opportunity for the finance function and the finance role to contribute back to the product is uh unique i i, I mean i, I I don't think most startups have that. Um, and so just given the nature of the product of Chargebee, I think it makes a lot of sense that you have the ability to do that. Absolutely. Um, spot on. And so what I'd love to do now is is move to our quickfire round. And the way this works is I'll ask you some questions and you have 10 to 15 seconds to respond to each. How does that sound? Absolutely fine. Makes perfect sense. All right. So what's your go-to online resource for all things finance related? Uh, there are a few of them. Uh, SaaS CFO um, is one. SaaS Capital is another one. Uh, OpEx Engine, Adaptive Insights. I think these are all potential resources uh, that I kind of uh, keep myself acquainted with. Yeah. Nice. Uh, what's your favorite productivity hack? I think tackle must-dos first, and then my morning rituals. Do, is there a specific tool you use to track all of your must-dos? Uh, I generally use uh, spreadsheets, a uh, combination of Google Sheets and, uh, you know, a notes section, which is available in Outlook. Yeah, so a combination yeah. of things is what I use. Uh, what's one thing you don't leave the office before finishing? I think at least reading through all of the emails, if not responding. Uh, that's something that I ensure I do before I leave office. And what's uh, one jargon that makes you cringe? I think there's this um, jargon called best practices, right? Uh, in fact, um, one of my <laughs> in fact, in, in, in one of my earlier companies, I had uh, my former employer telling me that best practices are only better practices, right? So there's nothing called best practices. You just got, got to keep doing things better, right? And as it gets better, um, obviously, there's um, you know uh, people have people have uh, things to improve, and you know it's always a journey. It goes on from there. And what's the best advice you've received so far in your career? I think one advice I can think of um, is there's always room for improvement, right? And it's important to embrace life and people around with uh, imperfections. Great advice. Well, thank you, Karthik. Really appreciated the time today and got to learn a bit more about Chargebee, the product, as well as thinking through how the different pricing structures that uh, Chargebee has been able to put in place, whether it's offering and accepting currencies in multiple different localities, as well as thinking through how to uh, price products with a value-based pricing model. Um, so learned a lot from this chat and thanks again for your time. Thank you so much, Juan. Uh, this wonderful talking to Likewise. All right. Take care. Bye now. Bye-bye. And that wraps up another episode of The Backbone. Hope you joined this awesome discussion with Karthik Srinivasan, Director of Finance at Chargebee. Check out some of the other awesome finance leaders featured on The Backbone from companies like Ecobee, Wealthsimple, League, and many more. Thank you for listening all the way through and joining me on this journey inside finance at a tech company. Until next time, take care.